All right. So, Mike, have you ever heard of a company called Dagster? Yeah, it's one of a recent class of data engineering focused products that's taking advantage of this surge in importance that these teams and tools seem to have internally these days, right? Yeah, that's right. Dagster, it's a data orchestration platform, and it was initially developed by Dagster Labs, a company founded by Nick Schrock in 2018. Schrock, who was previously a co-founder of the popular software framework GraphQL, envisioned Dagster as a tool to address the challenges of building and managing complex data pipelines in a reliable and scalable way. Today, we're going to explore the history of Dagster a bit and specifically look at the time as during the company where they found product market fit. That's awesome. Yeah, you sat down recently with Pedram Navid, and I know he's a data veteran whose experience spans from being the head of data at High Touch to even the owner of his own data consultancy. Now he's the head of data engineering and developer relations at Dagster Labs. That's right. I have a feeling the product folks out there will enjoy hearing about their product market fit journey, um, at least finding that initial product market fit. All right. That sounds awesome. But first, we have a related story that you'd like to discuss too, right? That's right. One that has to do with the emerging data space, but what's called quantified organizations. It's uh new development here in the uh, the corporate ecosystem. Um, so all that and more after we roll the intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We're your hosts, Michael Saka. And I'm Mike Belsito. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N.com 
forward slash rocketshipfm24, you'll save a dollar on your next domain. Okay, before we get into the story of Dagster and their journey to product market fit, I wanted to talk about this article in the Wall Street Journal based on research by Deloitte about companies who are using new data sources to measure and manage work. Yeah, I saw that. The The article, it talks about the emergence of what they're calling quantified organizations, which leverage volumes of work and workforce data to drive organizational strategy by harnessing this passive data from workplace applications like you know, email, collaboration tools. These organizations can shift focus from mere productivity to actually enhancing human performance and the overall workforce experience. Yeah, and before this article, I had never heard of this quantified organization before. Well, a quantified organization, for all of you that aren't familiar as well, (laughs) it's an entity that strategically utilizes data to measure various aspects of its operations, particularly related to work and the workforce. This approach involves collecting and analyzing data from a whole diverse set of sources, such as workplace applications and tools, all to gain insights into productivity, human performance, and the overall work experience. Quantified organizations prioritize using data-driven insights to inform decision-making processes and drive organizational strategy, ultimately aiming to improve outcomes for workers, teams, and the org as a whole. Yeah, so this approach, in theory, it leads to improved financial and operational outcomes for the organization. However, it highlights the importance of managing risks such as biased algorithms and privacy concerns to maintain trust and fairness when all of our data is being analyzed. And that's kind of crucial for sustaining a brand reputation in this new world. This is, or at least it could be, the new world we're going to live in as employees. Yeah, but my my concern is, while the idea is intriguing, is the fact that organizations will try to utilize these new data sources and AI tools to measure work and workforce performance before they're really ready, right? There's a ton of nuance in these decisions. And I don't know, if we can't make the correct decision as people, I'm not sure how we could build a solution that's able to handle these nuances even better. Yeah, it can come off as a bit creepy that we're using every piece of our digital footprint to actually influence these decisions too. Right, which could make them fully manipulatable um, on on the flip side, right? Like if you know the keywords, you know the patterns, it could be possible to kind of cheat the system and be quickly elevated into a position that one may not be fully prepared for. Hopefully the system will realize its mistake and learn from it. Hopefully, but I I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, on that note, if you're working within a quantified organization or you're considering building one, let us know. I'd love to interview you. I know Michael would as well and the impact that it's had or that you expect it to have in your organization. Hey, it could be an entire episode that we dedicate in the future. So definitely reach out to us if that's the case. Yeah. Now let's take a quick break and we're going to dive into the product market fit story behind Dagster. This episode is brought to you by Yahoo Finance. 
Wouldn't it be great if you could see all of your investment and retirement accounts in one place? With Yahoo Finance, you can consolidate your views with multiple accounts into one hub and access the expert analysis you need to tend to your entire portfolio with confidence. Honestly, this has been a lifesaver for me. I've used Yahoo Finance to consolidate all of my various 401k and investment accounts so I can see everything all in one place. And it makes it incredibly easy to manage. So if you're struggling with that, check out Yahoo Finance. For over 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. You can securely link your brokerage accounts for a unified view of your wealth, including your 401k and other investments. A comprehensive perspective is what sets apart a great investor. And that's how Yahoo Finance ensures that you have the insights to look at your wealth in its entirety. So go to yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Okay, so Dagster, founded by Nick Schrock in 2018, it's a data orchestration platform designed to simplify the creation and management of complex data pipelines. Schrock, who again is known for co-founding GraphQL, he aimed to address the challenges of reliable and scalable data pipeline development. Today, we're diving into Dagster's history, focusing on its journey to find product market fit. The platform gained traction in the data engineering community due to its innovative approach on orchestrating data workflows. Unlike traditional workflow management systems that focus primarily on scheduling and execution, Dagster introduced a novel concept known as data-aware scheduling. This approach allows developers to define data dependencies explicitly within their pipelines, leading to more reliable and maintainable workflows. Since its inception, Dagster's evolved significantly with contributions from a growing community of users and developers. The platform's expanded its capabilities to support a wide range of use cases, including data integration, ETL, that's extract, transform, load, machine learning, and even analytics. Additionally, Dagster's gained popularity for its emphasis on developer productivity and collaboration, providing tools for testing, documentation, and even versioning of data pipelines. In 2021, Dagster Labs announced a major milestone with the release of Dagster 1.0, signaling the platform's maturity and readiness for production use. The release featured improvements in performance, stability, and usability, further solidifying Dagster's position as a leading solution for data orchestration. And today, we're diving in to hear their product market fit story and hear from Pedrib Navid, their head of data engineering and developer relations head at Dagster Labs. First, I think it'd be helpful to hear more about Dagster from Nick Schrock himself. Here's Nick talking with Eric Anderson on the Contributor Podcast. Dagster is a data orchestration platform. So within every company of any non-trivial size or enterprise, there's typically a data platform, meaning that there's a bunch of different people using tons of different tools, putting data products into production. And in order to do so, 
they have to work together because typically one team creates data products and then another team consumes those and so on and so forth. So these data orchestrators or workflow engines become critical pieces of infrastructure uh, in these enterprises. And we just thought there's a huge opportunity here because just the overall theme we're seeing is that people, and this has taken years to realize, but people in the data domain are beginning to realize and are in the process of realizing that this is a software engineering discipline. And you really want to have a full, proper software engineering lifecycle with a delightful developer experience, testing, fast deployment. And then in data, we think you need to also track the produced assets. And so Dagster is an orchestration platform that really thinks about this problem. Now, before Dagster, Nick was instrumental building GraphQL inside of Meta. Here's Nick about his time leading up to Dagster from that same interview. Totally. So, yeah, I, as you mentioned, uh, you know, I worked at Facebook in 2009 to 2017. And I actually, I believe I was the one who started this group called Product Infrastructure. It was started three engineers, but it really expanded and grew. And that team's job was to serve our application developers and make them more efficient and productive. And out of that group, a very special group of people, um, now, I didn't have anything to do with the project, but React came out of that group, which obviously is an open source runaway success. And then I personally was the original creator of GraphQL and then co-wrote the spec, which we then open sourced. And, you know, I learned a lot in that experience about the power of open source communities and just how these technologies can take off. And I left Facebook in 2017 and was figuring out what to do next. And I was just talking to companies about what they're Technology challenges were both legacy or traditional enterprises as well as companies that are in Soma or in the Valley. And what he found was there was a big problem here. Here's Padram talking more about this. And that's sort of how uh, Nick Schwab built the product, right? He went to talk to companies, he went to talk to data leaders, and he said, what's the biggest pain point? And he heard the same thing over and over again at data pipeline. So um, he took that knowledge and he's like, I'm just going to solve this problem for these people. And then he went and talked about it, right? And I think early stages, founder-led sales, like there's no substitute, right? Like your founder needs to be out there talking about, you know, what he's passionate about and what he cares about. And that will, if it's something that's real and if it's a real problem, like that's just gonna naturally lead to people wanting to use your product, right? So I, I know in the early days that was what happened. Um, eventually what we found is like the open source tool, like having the open source product itself was another proof point, right? Like. Um, if it's open source, you can go and try it yourself and you can kind of get a feel for is this thing real, right? Like what are the limitations? Because uh, for stuff like this, it's like such a critical part of your pipeline. Like you don't really want to just trust somebody uh, who, who's selling it to you at the end of the day, right? Like you want to know that like you have the ability to go and try it yourself. But Jump's connection to the company began around the same time. He heard Nick speak on a podcast and was intrigued. Having worked in the space, he began to get involved in the project. Yeah, it was uh, probably 2020, so around four years ago, I think. I had been a data engineer at a startup. And as part of that job, I was using Airflow, which was the standard orchestrator at that time, right? It was sort of what we all defaulted into. And um, it was a very frustrating experience for me. And and after that job, I was like, all right, well, let's see what else is out there. And I had listened to a podcast where the founder, Nick Schrock, had talked a little bit about why he started a company called Dexter, 
which was really a different take on how to do orchestration, a modern take. Uh, he had just finished building GraphQL and he was really excited about solving another big problem, right? And so I thought, you know, I got some time off. Let me play around with this thing. And it was still super early. So um, definitely not at the stage that it was today. But even then I could tell like there was like something really, really unique and special here. A lot of those initial pain points I had with Airflow around like testing and usability were really addressed really well when it came to Dexter. And so I had played around with it. I even found like an old Slack message I sent to the team on their public Slack um, where I said, hey, like, I love this product. You know, maybe in a few years I'll um, actually contribute to it. And, you know, four years later, here I am working with them. Okay, let's take a quick break here and we'll hear more about their journey to product market fit after a quick break. So before the break, we were discussing Dagster's history with Pedram Navid, who joined the company about four years into their existence. While the company was growing, it still felt like it had room to grow to really meet the market's demands. Here's Pedram on his early days at Dagster. I've seen this before, too, where someone who joins a company um, often has a different uh, perspective on how far along they are in terms of product market fit. Um, and my previous startup, it was called High Touch, and I had joined, and I like... I saw immediately the value of what they were selling, which was a way to uh, send data between like Salesforce and your data warehouse, something I've struggled with all my life. So when I had joined that company, like I immediately knew there was, you know, real like value here. But I think the people who had been there before me, like they were still part of that, like, you know, is this, is this a thing journey? Like, is this really, you know, something people want to buy? Like, do we have to keep just giving this away or are people going to pay for it? And to me, it was like, no, absolutely not. Like, we got to be charging people. Like, this is this thing is good. Um, when I joined Daxter, it was like similar in vibe. Maybe not so much on that uh, on that early of a stage. I think that they already had you know pretty big customers at that point. They had launched their cloud product. Um, I want to say maybe the year before, but it was still a company that was, I think, um, finding its legs in terms of the market. So. When you're like online in the communities, talking to other data people, Baxter wasn't coming up in the conversations as often as some of the other competitors were uh, when I had joined. But that was like starting to change. And, you know, I, I think we are still in that like S curve, you know, uh, of the product market fit. Um, we have people who love us. We have people who talk about us a lot now naturally on their own. We have people who go out and do conferences and they talk about using Dagster and we find out like after they've done, done a talk. So it's like this building of excitement that we really sense. At the same time, we see like all the uh, inevitable pains of scale, right? Our databases are overloaded and they need to be upsized. <laughs> it feels like every day the data that's coming through our systems is always larger and larger. Customers want more and more things. And like, we're starting to feel sort of that pressure, but it's like a really fun type of uh, feeling where you're like, all right, people actually, they actually like this thing. And, and we, we have a real opportunity to, to capitalize on it. Uh, so we're really definitely still in that, in that phase. It feels like we are past the stage where it's only the early adopters who are like curious about any new technology. And now it's like, People are thinking, like, I want to solve, like, an actual problem. And Daxter, 
Baxter is a tool that can do that for us. And they're, and they're coming to that on their own, which is really cool. And so we went on to discuss moving out of that early adopter phase. What considerations did they make at this point to begin to expand their reach and, and really messaging to a broader audience? There's a lot to do. So, I mean, there's everything from the marketing side. So, right, do we have the, like, the right collateral? Is our website speaking to the right audience? You know, are we running the right type of events? I think in the earlier days, we were much more almost exclusively focused on the practitioner. And I think that's the right place to start. Um, we were focused on data engineers who really wanted to solve problems with their data pipelines. And they were tired of the way things are going. And that's still, I think, a core audience. And we can't forget that. And it's really important not to forget who our core audience is. Um, we still do that today, but like that's where you start. And now we're starting to sort of think, all right, well, what else do we need to do to sort of enable not just a data engineer, but their leaders and managers, you know, their VPs of data. They also need to know what Dexter is, because if some engineer just shows up and says, we should try this new thing. If you're a manager, you've probably seen like a hundred new things and you're like, I don't know what that is. I don't have time for this. But if it's something you've seen and heard of, and there's case studies and proofs and examples of like this thing actually working, not just for like a random, you know, small business, but you know, major companies, that's sort of how you build that sort of enterprise motion, right? So there's a whole marketing angle that, that goes along with that. There's the whole sales side, right? What kind of sales process do you want to enable as well? Um, and then there's like really everything in between, like pricing is always a question, the features you build, the product, right? So um, I think we've initially invested very heavily in making Dagster, the open source tool, amazing. And now we're thinking, all right, well, what, what are the things that we can imagine if we didn't limit ourselves to only what the open source tool can do, right? What if we wanted to do like embedded analytics and reporting and insights that required a pipeline that was, you know, too complex to deploy in an open source tool? Well, that's possible, right? And maybe we can differentiate between cloud and open source that way. Like things that are part of the core Dexter experience aren't really going to go away. But is there a world that we can sort of expand what's possible and what people might want beyond that and help people uh, move to cloud that way? Now, one of the interesting components of Dagster is this open source version that's maintained and allows customers to set up an internal version of Dagster and host it themselves. In fact, you were a customer of Dagster at one point, right, Michael? Yeah, we actually used Dagster at Dribble and went through this exact same process of setting up the open source version. I see it almost as like a freemium version. And then we did end up becoming a customer of the cloud version at one point. So there's an interesting product pain and friction points to think about here when upgrading between that freemium version and then the cloud hosted version. It's a good question. Um, it's something we're, we're playing with right uh, to this day. I think in one way, it's like you just got to build a really cool shit that people are going to want to buy cloud for, right? At the end of the day, um, if all if your cloud is only like, oh, we host it for you. Well, turns out the people who use Dagster are you know, very highly capable and they can host things themselves. That's not enough, right? So um, there's got to be a benefit to you that's beyond simple hosting. It can start with hosting. I think some people just don't want to host it, and that's fine. We have like a serverless offering. We also have our hybrid model, where if you are more concerned about like data moving outside of your system, you can run it all internally. But beyond that, there's got to be more, right? And so we have things that we're building out, like Dexter Insights, which is one I mentioned. Um, that's really about building a the ability to understand your entire data pipeline as from a stakeholder perspective, right? Like, where's the spend going? Why are things costing me so much? What teams are costing me a lot of money? 
And so you might think about like a chargeback model and you might think about you know, allocating spend that way. And it's probably not something like a team of like five care about. Like DAX or open source is probably just fine for them. But when you've got a company of like, you know, hundreds of users within your data platform and one team goes and spends all their money on Snowflake, you kind of want to know why that's happening. And you don't want to be the one like saying like, I'm going to take on all that cost ourselves internally as a platform team. Let's find ways to allocate that cost, right? So it's thinking more broadly about what are the things that we can do that kind of make that cloud product compelling. And then you just sort of have to believe that if the product is good enough, people will want to sort of come over. Now, one of the more pivotal moments here was a release that changed the way that people thought about data pipelines. Definitely when we first launched the concept of software-defined assets, uh, that must have been, I think, almost two years ago now. That was really a fundamental shift in how people thought about data pipelines. Everyone had been so used to doing things in a task-based way. And we came out with like this like big thought leadership post that we were really pushing that said, you know, this way of doing things is not been working for us. And here's a new way of trying things out. And here's all the benefits you get. And here's the problems it's solving. And that seemed to really help, I think, at least in the early days, get some of those, I would say, early adopters who are working at companies like sort of adopt, right? And that was, I think, a big, a big one. And then from there, it's just been, you know, I, I can't say it for just one thing. It's just continuous improvement, future launches, launch week has been really helpful. Just like talking to our customers and seeing like, what's next? You know, what else can we do to sort of move the needle? And, and just building that over and over and over again. I think our velocity is like the one thing that has been the most impactful on the whole. It's like, if you look at where Daxter was a year ago and you look at where it is today, you look at where it was three months ago and you look at where it's today, it's just like continuous improvement, relentless releases, like the, our, our team does not stop. And there's very little that can compete with like high velocity teams, I think. So what comes next for Daxter? Yeah, there's a few. So um, we kind of like this idea of like, making it so you don't have to buy so much so much shit in your in your stack like the modern data stack is like this idea that came out i think four or five years ago like peak SERP phenomenon just like buy 27 different tools to build your data stack and it'll be great and then you know one day we all woke up from the drunken haze and we're like holy shit like what are we doing and what are all these bills and what are these companies? Half of them don't exist anymore. Half of them um, are trying to sell you know, 40K, 50K deals now. They were $20 a month. So I, I think we think like the orchestrator itself, like the data platform you build, that can be the core central part of that. And if that's true, you kind of get a nice, a lot of nice things for, you know, not free, but like for very cheap. Um, I think, you know, reporting and insights is like the easy one, but you kind of get a data catalog as well. Um, if all your data assets are defined in Daxter, then you've sort of, you've built a data catalog already. And so we're thinking, well, what are other ways we can take that data catalog and make it more powerful, right? Can we introspect the data and understand, uh, you know, what, are, what your tables are like, what your descriptions are, you know, columns you have, build lineage. Like there's all these like nice things we can start to build on the cataloging side. Um, you could do things like, data quality as well, right? That could be its own, you know, tool that you buy, or maybe you just package it with data orchestrator because data is already in here. Why not just assert its quality as well? Uh, so we're thinking really along both lines. It's like, what are the natural places where this orchestrator can do these things that 
you know, maybe it's not the same as buying a 50K, 60K tool that you, um, that you really enjoy, but if it gets you like 85% of the way there, you know, maybe that's enough. So, um, that's the space we're exploring. I mean, it's still early. We do have an event in April that will like outline all this stuff and, um, it's our launch week is coming up. So by then we'll have it much, much better state that I can talk about, but that's roughly like the space we're looking at, I think, at the moment. Well, that's going to wrap things up for this week. I hope you enjoyed this exploration into the early days of Dagster. There's plenty more to come from that team, I'm sure. And you're going to hear more stories like this from us if there are stories that you want to hear in particular, uh, whether it's origin stories, just mm. talking about the early days of a specific product or company, let us know. We want to know about it. We want to report on it so you could hear more of those in the future. But until next time, for Michael Saka, this is Mike Belsito, and you've been listening to Rocketship.fm.